Are you, are you prepared to receive the word of God? Please, say to the person next to you, God has a word for you. Don't get distracted. Because God has a word for you. Hallelujah. And I want to share this word. And I have a very important message to share with you today. And I want to talk about the reason of the church. Or the reason why the church exists. Do you know why the church exists? Do you know why you were saved? Do you know why? Some people say, ah, I was saved to go to heaven. No, this is the consequence. But why are you saved now? Why we are here as church of Christ? Here in Monaghan. Why God sent me from my country to come here to preach the gospel? Why God sent us, each one of you, Pastor Paulo? Why God sent you and brought you to this country and you are here in this church today? Ah, oh, you have a great task to do. <laughs> the church exists. First, to glorify God. Amen? Second, to edify the saints. And to evangelize the people. But evangelism has been abandoned and neglected by the church. And this is what I want to talk to you today. Uh, in the book... In the book, uh, Mary, uh, Mary Christianity, I don't know if you know C.S. Lewis. He's a famous writer from Northern Ireland. And he says, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men to Christ. To make them little Christs. Wow. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simple, are simple a waste of time. What was the point of you getting saved? The whole point and supposed to be making disciples or to save the lost can you say amen this is the point today many churches have become more about social justice entertainment and even the preachings themselves the mission has gotten moody they lost their mission if a, a retail store has a bottom line, do you know the bottom line of a retail store? Do you know? It's selling their merchandise, right? And and they don't if they don't hit their goals, they will go out of business. Do you agree with that? 
Yes, of course. And the church too has a bottom line. Do you know the bottom line of the church? Making disciples. To save those who are lost going to hell. And hell is a reality. It's not fair tale. Hell do exists. And Jesus spoke a lot about it. And we are here as church of Christ because of these people. And why do we have to make disciples? Why do we have to make disciples? Why do we have to evangelize people? Why do you have to save the lost? Because those who are not Jesus, disciples of Jesus are lost. And they are going to an eternal condemnation. And after death, there is no second chance. No second chance after death. I want to read Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. This is the last book of the Bible that says, And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. There are many people around us in serious dangers. Did you know? Many people. And you and me, you and we should, must take care for the souls of our dear ones. We must take care of our friends, family, co-workers, neighbors, and all of, the, all of those who don't know Christ. One day they will endure God's wrath forever. If they don't give their life to the Lord Jesus and to receive Jesus as their Savior. And today I want to talk about evangelism. And how to simply explain the way to salvation. This is what I'm talking about. And today's word is, you have a great task. Do you believe that? You have a great task. Could you tell the person next to you, you have a great task. <laughs> Your great task on earth, after, after loving the Lord with all your heart, is to save those who are lost. Did you know that? If you are saved, now you have to save those who are lost. And I have a question to you. I have a question. How many of you that are seated here, how many of you that are hearing me or listening to me on the internet right now, how many of you have experienced the joy of preaching the gospel to your friend or preaching the gospel to evangelizing someone who is now saved and they got saved and they are saving the Lord because of you. How many of you have this joy? People that you met, people from your family, people, your co-workers, you preach the gospel, you taught about God, and today they are in the church. 
they are serving the Lord. It's a great joy that we all can have it. And through the grace of God, my beloved brothers, I have many people from my family, friends and co-workers, that they, they were saved. Why? Because I invested my time in their lives. People from my family, today they are saved. Because I started talking about Jesus Christ. They were going to hell. Co-workers that worked with me. I never stay quiet. And you need to have this joy in your heart. Can you imagine one day when you get in heaven and someone comes to you and say, Thank you. Thank you because you, you spoke about Jesus. I was lost and now I am in heaven because of you. Can you imagine this joy? For me, there is no greater joy than to hear people saying, Thank you because you spoke about Jesus. And I got saved because of you. And you need to have this experience. Please, you need to have this experience. Preach the gospel. Evangelize. And make disciples. This is your great task. Amen? Evangelize. Make disciples, because this is your great task on earth. God's not going to ask you how much money did you make here. Because all the money that you make here, you're going to be, is going, you're going to stay behind. But every single person that you save, you preach, they are going to go to heaven. You cannot bring money to heaven, but you can bring people to heaven. But and you need to have this joy in your heart. I preach the gospel and I save the people. You need to have this experience. I am so thankful. Because I met Jesus 35 years ago. I was a young man destroyed by drugs, drunkenness. My life was destroyed. And because my life was transformed, I started talking about Jesus. And today I have many disciples in Brazil, in Europe, in many countries. Because I never stayed quiet. I spoke to them. Share about Jesus to others. Please. Do you agree with that? Say to the person next to you, please share about Jesus. Because he deserves it. He deserves it. Share about Jesus. Today, I want to talk about evangelism. I told you, and I'm going to show you the different kind of evangelism. I'm going to tell you how Jesus evangelized people. <laughs> we are going to learn with our master. <laughs> and I'm going to give you some practical keys. That you can apply to your life today. That will help you to win your loved ones and friends over to the Lord. Amen.
I'm going to give you some kiss. Hallelujah. And I'm going to start today this message and maybe I'm going to finish next week because I have no time to speak everything today, okay? And we are going to look to the scripture and, uh, and I'm going to show you how to explain the gospel in a such a clear and simple way that you can win over your loved ones and whoever else God place into your path. Amen? People that you're going to meet. And you are going to lead them to the Lord. Let's talk about the, the kinds of evangelism that are based on the scripture. The first kind is confrontational evangelism. This is the first one. Confrontational evangelism. This kind of evangelism is not too popular today anymore because as cultures evolves they are changed the church tends to shift and adapt to the culture of the time this is of course very sad because thanks to these changes many anointed ministries who are called to evangelize, are being criticized by the body of Christ. Have you ever, have you ever seen people out of, in public, in public places, in, or in campus, in the schools, or on the streets, preaching against sin? <laughs> have you seen that? Preaching about the wrath of God. And saying, you have to turn to God. Repent from your sin. Have you, have, you, have you seen that? It's easy to look at these people and criticize them. It's easy. And say, that's not love. But what can be more loving than telling someone the truth, even though they hate you or it. I understand that some people, they can be very unloving, or some are rude, some are crude. This is not what I am talking about, okay? I'm not saying that you still speak with... We like being rude to speak. No, no, no. I'm, it's not what I'm talking about. Some people, they are not polite and they need to change the way they are preaching to others. Because we need to preach the truth, but with love. Amen? The truth with love. The type of evangelism which the sinner is being warned about the destructive path they are on is a perfectly legitimate form of evangelism. Okay? It's a perfect legitimate form. We can evangelize in this way. You are going to see on the street corners, and it's easy to say that they are doing all wrong. Sometimes you look at they are doing wrong. But remember, remember that Jesus was 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 also very harsh toward religious people. 
Yes? And the scriptures is true very harsh with those who are stubborn, prideful, and those who resist to the gospel. Confrontational evangelism comes into play when someone is very religious or someone is very stubborn, hard-hearted, and proud. And this is the people you see on the street corners, preaching in public places and town squares. Never ever criticize these preachers on the streets. Okay? Never ever. Acts 20, 20, 20, and 21 says, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I have taught you where? Publicly, publicly, and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our God, in our Lord Jesus. That's a confrontational evangelism. Beloved brothers, pay attention in that. When people, one day everyone is going to die, right? You and me. One day, every one of us is going to stand before the Lord. Every one of us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, everyone is going to stand before the Lord. And when these people stand before the Lord in the judgment day, God is going to tell to many people, going to, to tell to them, I sent you preachers, TV preachers. I sent to you preachers who sounded nice. I don't know if Pastor Mars is so nice. <laughs> but I sent, I sent you preachers who sounded nice. I sent you preachers that sounded mean, angry. <laughs> I sent you preachers that talked about heaven. I sent you preachers who talked about hell. I sent you, you all kind of preachers. And many will stand with, with no excuses at all. Because God sent many voices in different forms. In many different tones. Different forms in different tones to preaching the one message of salvation. This is what we are going to listen from God. And as a believer, we have to be careful of criticizing others, ministry, who, who are who doing different from us. Be careful, never criticize any preachers or anyone who's preaching the gospel. I would never use some of the tactics they are doing. I don't use it. But this is personal. Okay? Because there are different preachers. And, but in different settings or in different types of ministry. That, but I never criticize those who are preaching the gospel. 
Because we need everyone. We need everyone from, from the kind, smiling preachers to the street preachers who are declaring hell and fire. <laughs> we need both. Everyone working. And we need the gospel preached. Do you, do you agree with that? We need the gospel to be preached. Jesus said, go and preach the gospel. Because the people, they are going to hell. Second type of evangelism. Relational evangelism. I love this one. Relational. And this is the, for me, is the one who gives more results. I have received a lot of results. I have seen through this second type, relational evangelism. I'm going to read a verse just to show you about relational evangelism. 1 Corinthians 7, 16. Don't you, don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved because of you? Attention. And don't you husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you? Beloved brothers, uh, Paul, the apostle here, is addressing a specific issue where someone is wondering, what do you do if they get saved after marriage? Or... If like, if they get saved, but they are married, what to do? Do I have to divorce? Because my spouse have not the same faith. And Paul here writes, in this specific case, you could evangelize them. In this specific, okay? <laughs> Pay attention. The Bible here is not promoting evangelism by dating. Okay? Yeah. The Bible is not promoting evangelism by dating. <laughs> then I start dating, then I'm going to bring them to the Lord. No, no, no. This is wrong. This is wrong. Okay? If you are dating someone who is not saved, it's not right. Okay? It's not right. Okay? That's the biblical truth. That's the biblical truth. And you are going to harvest what you are planting. Okay? Paul is, spe Paul is specific, spe speaking specifically to those who were saved when they are already married. Did you get the point? Because they were married. What to do now? And then Paul speaks about them just. And he said that you can, you could win your spouse over to the Lord. You could be one effective evangelist in your home. And then this is one just example, okay? It's not for you to start dating someone. It's wrong. But if you are, if you, if you are saved, but you are married, then you can start evangelizing your partner, okay? And this is one example of relational evangelism. And we can learn from the scripture that relationships are great tools for evangelism. Okay? 
Relational evangelism is when you win, I win my brother, my brother, or my sister, or my co-worker, even my boss. I win to the, their lives to the Lord. Whoever you are connected with is someone that you can share the gospel with. Amen? Did you get what is the relational evangelism? You are working, you are studying, you are in, in, you have some friends, and then you are going to share your faith with them. In fact, I think that relational evangelism is likely the most effective means of evangelism. This is the, the powerful one. Because if someone goes up to an individual who is one stranger, preach the gospel to them, praise for them, that's wonderful, isn't it? When you find someone on the street and you preach the gospel, but you have no relationship, you, don't, you cannot help that person anymore because you saw it just once. But think if you could meet her again and to teach more. It's going to be more powerful. Again, I repeat, it's okay. It's wonderful to preach the gospel to strangers. But it's more, you can be more effective preaching the gospel to your loved ones, your friends, your co-workers, the people who is beside you. Do you agree with that? Hallelujah. Let's now to look at Je how Jesus evangelized. Let's see. It's wonderful. But um, I'm, going, uh, I, I, I'm going to challenge you. If you didn't read yet John 4, 6 to 38, I ask to all the church to read. Who did, who did read that, this verse? Can I see? One, two, three, four. Okay, few, but congratulations to you. You are going to get the most now because you read. Thank you. But we have no time to read from verses 6 to 38, okay? You have no time. This is why I asked you for you to read at home. But here in this passage, Jesus preached the gospel. He evangelized a woman. And she gets saved. Hallelujah. What truths can we take from this? Amen. Uh, we, we are going to read just some verse. But please, read at home all the, the verse. Amen. Amen. Okay. John 6. Sorry. John 4 verse 6. Says. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, Jesus what? Tired from the long walk. Sat wearily beside the well about moon time. Then the first point here, the first point here is, Jesus is, is tired from the long walk. But he was willing. He was tired, but he was willing. 
Jesus was exhausted. Imagine the demon in the life of Jesus. Can you imagine? The man who could raise the dead. The man who could heal the sick. The man who could raise or the dead and the man who could drive out demons. Can you imagine how was his schedule? <laughs> Busy schedule. Imagine his schedule of the day. Because every request presented to him. Almost all of those people coming seeking healing. They were this desperate to receive something from him. The, man, the demand was great. The burden, the responsibility carried out, carried out was heavy. But the Bible says. But the Bible says. He was tired. But he was willing to seize the opportunity. Amen? He was tired, but he was willing to seize the opportunity. I have a question. How many times have we passed over opportunities? Because we were mentally and emotionally or physically lazy. How many times? How many times we passed opportunities to demonstrate one act of love to win a soul? Simple, because we didn't feel like doing it. We must be spirit-led, my beloved brothers and sisters. We must be available. We must look for those open doors. Those windows of opportunity. That is what we must be. Like Jesus. Willing. Amen. Should be like Jesus. But sometimes we are too busy. We have a busy life. And it's not just our laziness. That keeps us from talking this opportunity. But it's also our busy days that keep us from talking these opportunities. Taking these opportunities, sorry. <clears throat> Second. We are going to see that Jesus was kind. Say with me, Jesus was kind. Yeah. I'm going to read John 7, John 4 verse 7. Soon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Please, give me a drink. This, this verse reveals that Jesus was kind. And I'm going to prove to you. Think about the fact that that woman at the time would go in groups to draw water wells. Why was this woman alone? Because normally the, the woman, the women used to go in groups to take out water from the well. But she was alone. Why? 
This woman was alone because she was rejected by society. What kind of reputation do you think she gained from having five husbands? Can you imagine her reputation? How many women do you think despised her? How many people do you think looked down upon her? The reason she was alone at this well was because she was deemed unworthy. That I'm not worthy. Nobody wanted to be with her. Nobody wanted to be with her. Nobody wanted to be seen with her. With that woman. No one. <laughs> this is why I love this Jesus. This is why I love him. She was rejected by the society. But Jesus still sat at the well. Beside her. And he was tired from the long walk. But he sat. And he was a Jew, you know. And she was a Samaritan woman. And he started engaging her in conversation. This was probably the first time in a long time that a man had spoken to her with respect and kindness. A long time. Jesus showed her dignity and respect. Jesus was kind. He was a kind man. Everyone deserves, everyone deserves the dignity of being heard. Everyone. You deserve the dignity of being heard. Thank you. When there is someone in need in front of you, okay, I'm questioning you. When there is someone in need in front of you, at least give some dignity. Some dignity. Listen to them. Listen. Of course, there are times when it's impossible to give people lots of our time. I know. Sometimes I don't give a lot of time because I don't have too much. But Everyone deserves the dignity of being heard. Everyone. Do you agree with? Here Jesus was sitting with this woman. He was called. Jesus was called a friend of sinners. <laughs> but today you don't want to have this kind of friends anymore. But Jesus was called friend of sinners. Not of holy people. Sinners. Jesus was called. Jesus was accused of being drunkward. Drunkward. 
in the gluten. Yeah. Why? Because he didn't mind being seen with people whom society had rejected. Jesus was kind, kind. Maybe if you are reading this text, you are not going to think about that. But Jesus was kind. Third point. Jesus was simple and relatable. Jesus wasn't complicated. <laughs> Jesus was simple and relatable. I'm going to read John 4, 14. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirst again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling, springing within them. Giving them eternal life. Jesus was simple. People could relate to him. To speak to him easily. And, he, and to listen to his teachings. He began to explain the way of salvation to her in a way she understood. Did you get? She understood. By using the water from the well. Wow. It's, she was there taking water and Jesus started talking, talking about the living water. <laughs> He talked about living water because the woman was drawing water. What did Jesus do? He saw something and he used it to relate to her so that she, he might win her soul. <laughs> I'm going to use something because I want to save her. I want to save her soul. Jesus taught her, and he didn't shame her. He taught her, didn't shame her. Sometimes, beloved brothers, please, sometimes we try to impress people. We start speaking, speaking, speaking a lot. Stop, stop, speak less, but with boldness, through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes they will say, I don't want to hear you anymore. Because we needed to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Jesus was not trying to impress her with everything he knew. No! He simply explained the way of salvation to her. This is what we should do. Not trying to show off our intellect. To show off that you know the Bible. And you say, you don't know the Bible. I know the Bible. And say, you are going. I never ever saved people talking this way. Maybe I can talk to believers in this way. But not with unbelievers. Always I talk with love. If they say, I don't believe in God. They say, okay, you have the right to not believe in God. But one day maybe you are going to change your mind. Amen. Speak with love. Because it's how Jesus did. Jesus speaked something that she was doing. Something that she understood to explain the way of salvation. And we see late the result. She got saved. Hallelujah. Fourth. Jesus 
was confrontational. What did, what did they say? Ah, Jesus was confrontational. Confrontational with love. Let's read John 4, 18. Jesus said to her, For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you are living with now. Wow. Jesus was confrontational. Sometimes you have this misunderstanding that you in, we are never to talk about sin. That sometimes we think that we should not confront people on their wickedness. That's not biblical truth. Jesus was confrontational. He confronted people in love. I want to read 1 Corinthians now to show you that. 1 Corinthians 5, 12, that says, It is not my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. We should confront the world on its sins. In fact, one of the reasons, pay attention, one of the reasons the world is in the state that it is now, it's because Christians have stopped speaking out against sin. They stopped calling sin, sin. Sometimes they say, no, this is not a sin. This is a bad behavior. Okay. Sin is sin. There's no other name. If Jesus don't forgive your sin, you are in trouble. This is the truth. Sin is sin. Church should speak about sin. We have to preach about sin. We must confront them. But confront them in love. In love. Just imagine now, please, just to understand that. If someone is standing on train tracks, okay? And the train is coming. But they can't hear it. Did you get the point? Someone is standing in the train tracks and they cannot hear that the train is coming. I have a question to you. What's the most loving thing you can do at that moment? What's the most loving thing you can do in that moment? You are going to say... Well, I don't want to call out to them because they might get embarrassed. <laughs> if I yell at them, can you imagine? No, I'm, they're going, I'm going to get embarrassed. Or I don't really want to go up to them because they might get upset with me for trying to get them off 
of the path they are on. Can you imagine that? Now you are acting, beloved brother. When you are thinking about people going to hell, you are acting in love and urgency. This is the point. You have to say, get off the tracks, that train's coming. You have to say, if you love them, think if it's your child. She is on the track of the train. The train is coming. You, are, you cannot be sometimes polite. Please get out of the track. If you don't, you can be dead. This is the point. And there are many people going to hell, but you say, okay, I don't want to accept them. That's the way we warn in urgence and in love. Urgence and love. Can I hear amen? Urgence and love. You don't need to be rude. You don't need. Sometimes you need to stop what you are doing. Go at them and say, please come, get out of there. Please, no, no, please, it's for your good. Please, come, I, I'm going to help you. This is the way. Of course, there is a time and a place uh, there are ways to approach. And we cannot be rude. But there is a form of confrontation that needs to take place when it comes to evangelism. Jesus was willing. Jesus was willing. He was kind. He was relatable, but confrontational too. I want to, I'm finishing now, and I want to read more, just some verse quickly. 2 Corinthians 7.10, that says, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Sometimes the people, they are not happy. But godly sorrow leads to salvation. It is good to feel bad. The bad things you have done. It's good to feel bad. If you say bad words... You have to repent. It's good to be sad. If you if you drunk, you have to say, God, I'm sorry. It's good for you to be sad. That means God is still able to speak to you. When you have this godly sorrow that's going to lead you into repentance. The Bible says... That is sorrow over sin that brings forth repentance. Okay, I'm going to repeat. It's sorrow, sorrow over sin that brings to repentance. Repentance should be preached. Repentance should be preached. 
Many churches today, they are preaching happiness, joy, blessings, and prosperity. A lot of church preaching happiness, joy, and prosperity. And you should go back to preach what's going to save people. What good would be you, you with money in hell? With prosperity and going to hell? We should preach the gospel. We should talk about sin. The people don't know what sin. You have to say what sin is to them. Because sin is going to bring death. Is the wage, and the wage of sin is death. Luke 24, 46, 47. And he said, Yes, it is written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and raise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message, this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sin for all who? Please, the end of the verse. There is forgiveness of sin for all those who? Repent. Acts, book of Acts 3.19. Now, Repent of your sins and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped away. Second Peter 3.9, and I am finishing. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. This is the will of God. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. But wants everyone to repent. This is the will of God. In Acts 17.30, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now, today... He demands, he commands everyone, everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. Can you say amen? Let's stand up in Jesus' name. Yes, confrontation is loving. Amen? Do you agree with? Confrontation is loving. But I am saying, beloved brothers, confrontation about sin, not about silly things. Because sometimes we are fighting for silly things. About China, about money, about vaccine, about things. This is silly. Sin is sin. But start talking about silly things. There is something serious that should be preached. Confrontation is loving. Would you close your eyes, please? Close your eyes right now. Don't move right now. Keep quiet. 
God is watching you right now. God is looking through your life. And there are many people around us in serious danger. Maybe you are one of them. Because you are not saved. You in this church or maybe you listen to me right now. You are not saved. And you are in danger. And also you and I must care for the souls of our dear ones. Our friends, family, co-workers, neighbors. Because those who don't know Jesus Christ, you endure God's wrath forever. If they turn to Jesus before they die. This is very serious. With your eyes closed. Please pray this prayer after me. And pray and do it with all your heart, please. And say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I know that I am a sinner. And unless you save me, I am lost forever. Without you, I am in hell. I am lost. And I need you. I thank you, Jesus, for dying for me on the cross. I ask you, save me. Forgive my sins. Write my name in the book of life. I now receive you in my heart as my Lord and Savior. Enter in my heart. Forgive all my sins. I am your servant. As your servant, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to save the lost. Lord Jesus, save my family. Save my relatives. Save my friends. Save my co-workers. And use me to save the lost. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You have a great task from now on. Amen. What is your great task? Yes. <laughs> to save the lost. This is the great task. If we don't do it as a church, there is no church. Many churches in Ireland, they are closing down. Because they are not reaching the lost. Preach the gospel. Evangelize and make disciples. And may God bless you. See you next week with the second part of this message. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. And applaud the Lord. He deserves all the glory. God bless you, and see you next week, amen?
give a word to the person next to you and say, you have a great task to do. Talk to Jesus. Talk about Jesus to your friend, to your family, relatives. Amen? God bless you.